think we've got to be the body to rock it like we're never going to see it again. We are exploding, the world is going to know it. We'll rock it like we're never going to see us again. Come on over. It is 9 p.m. and Pure Gold is live, live and on the air for this Tuesday night, January 24th, 2012. Who needs the State of the Union address when we got an action-packed show for you tonight? Welcome to the show that covers... No, I always do that, Dave. Welcome to the show that covers everything and anything and tells it like it is. My name is Joe Buccino, along with my tag team partner that's elated, David Gomez. Sir, how are you? I'm doing wonderful. My Giants won. Life is great. We have an action-packed show this evening. We have two wonderful guests. Sir, this is going to be the greatest pure gold show ever. So I am ever thrilled. Ever. You are right, sir. And I know Obama is busy right now, so he won't be listening in. But for everyone else, sir, let's give out the contact information. Folks, as always, if you'd like to be a part of our show, you can check us out. And, of course, we encourage that you do. The number 714 Three six four four seven two one. You can check out our website, puregoldpg.com, to hear the best interviews around. Once again, puregoldpg.com. There, of course, you can follow us on Twitter, Joe and I, and our two separate accounts, and of course, our YouTube videos that we do so many of, and Facebook. And we're always hitting people up on Facebook. So, folks, you can uh, follow us. You can do the whole social media thing. Joe and I are big. Uh, Twitter fanatics, so we like to keep in touch with the fans. JB? Thank you, sir. Now, folks, it's not today's show is not about the economy. It's not about jobs. It's not about anything it's like that. It's all about fun and games. It's about wrestling and football. So before we get to talk about your football giants, we got some wrestling talk, sir. Who do we have on the hotline? We have quite a few things to talk about wrestling, but we are proud and privileged to be joined by the one and only Rain from WSU who's also known around the world as Peyton Banks from TNA. Rain, how are you doing on this wonderful Tuesday night? I'm actually quite fishy-smelling at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> and salty, I would say. I haven't showered since my trial. <laughs> oh, wow. That's <laughs> that, that, that's some good, uh, interesting information to know. You had a tryout. Was it acting or was it wrestling? It was in Dragon Boating. One of my girlfriends does Dragon Boat, and she was like, oh, I really want you to come and try out for my team. So I was like, all right, why not? So tonight <laughs> I went out and tried out for the Dragon Boat. Wow, that is that I, you're definitely the first guest who's ever uh, who's ever mentioned that to us. But that is definitely uh, definitely <laughs> interesting. <laughs> and speaking of interesting, uh, one of the things that I found fascinating about you when I was looking up, uh, you know, for the interview information about you is that you've pretty much wrestled uh, almost anywhere, anywhere I can think of. You've wrestled all over the, the U.S. different promotions like Shimmer to TNA, which I mentioned, and of course now with the WSU, and you even mentioned for AAA, you you mentioned you uh, wrestled for AAA in Mexico. Now, can you tell us, and the fans out there, which of those is your favorite promotion so far and why? Well, every promotion has a different like and dislike. I mean, you don't like everything 100%, but TNA would be definitely for the exposure and I really like the girls that I worked with, well, most of them. <laughs> and then... Uh, I would say 99% of the girls that I worked with, I love. 
I would say there's a one percent I didn't. And okay. <laughs> okay. Um, let's see. Triple I really enjoyed working with Sexy Star. I really loved loved wrestling the Apaches. I mean, those girls are amazing. I mean, obviously they kicked my head off every night. But Exposure was really good at a completely different audience. And Shimmer, it was all about girl wrestling, girl power. That's why I like wrestling there. Plus, I had Lacey and you know and Jetta, so that made it a hundred. And 10% plus for me because I love those girls. They're my life. And I would say I like WSU because I believe WSU uses me, I would say, 89% to my fullest. And they let me pretty much do whatever I want. So I really enjoy that. I like having my way. So when I wrestled in Japan, I I love the fans. I love the girls wrestling. The girls, the girls were amazing talent. So everywhere is different. Wow, that's uh, that's really interesting because I'm not going to say I like one better than the other. (laughs) Oh, of course. I mean, I kind of figured, but you know, sometimes you get like uh, you you know, guess one. (laughs) You never know. It's always worth it's always worth a shot. Now, since you wrestled in Mexico and Japan, can you tell us just briefly? Um, how are they different? Obviously, we've heard it, we've read, we've seen things as, as lifelong wrestling fans. How are the fans, and how is it a little bit different uh, between those com- those countries and here in the U.S.? They are completely different. Okay, so Mexico is like wrestling in front of an 80s crowd, obviously yelling words out that you have no clue what they mean. And right. <laughs> literally they threw beer bottles and pizza at me. So I would leave the ring drenched in beer. So I'd get in the back and they'd be like, oh, it looks like you showered. I'm like, ah, you're not funny. But I love that reaction. I love being hated so much. It's, it's an amazing feeling. You love getting um, pizza and beer thrown at you? It was all about respect. And it was it was completely different. I mean, when I left the ring, they were chanting USA, USA. You know, I thought that was amazing. United States, obviously, different areas. You get different reactions from fans here. Right. So oh, wait, crowds definitely aren't as big as Mexico. Mexico would be a yeah. Well, Mexico. Spot. I mean, wrestling is is so huge in Mexico. You said you like getting beer and pizza thrown at you. Is, 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 did I hear that correctly? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. It's a compliment. Love it. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't wow. make for a fun 12-hour bus ride back. <laughs> oh, wow. Especially with no Definitely showers not. in Mexico. So, like, there's there's different things everywhere. I mean, Japan is probably the cleanest place I ever wrestled. That's why I, lo- I loved it there. And uh, oh. but Mexico, I had to train a lot, and I really enjoyed that, training with Grand Apache. And I got to do that oh, all week long, and you got to wrestle seven days a week. So that's another thing that's amazing about Mexico. You can wrestle every day. In Japan, it's only on the weekends in the States. It depends on where you're at. Right. Wow, it sounds like very different. How about your yeah, time in TNA? Tell us, tell us about that company, uh, Rain. Um, well, that company was great. I got a lot of exposure. I got to manage Bobby, so I didn't have to even wrestle that much. I mean, it's nice not to take some bumps and get a payday. And I enjoyed working with him. I mean, he's an amazing talent. Kind of a jerk. You learn a lot from him like that. And, uh, you know, we got along when it came to get along when it came talking about wrestling and stuff, but I didn't, you know, get very close to him. It's just business relationship. And wait, so I love working he was with a, the girls. Wait, Rain, he was a, he, you said he was a jerk. You mean personally, like outside of the ring? The what thing? You said that he was a jerk. Did I hear that correctly? Like outside of the ring? Oh, no, I'm talking about when it came to wrestling. He loved being oh, as oh, I okay, am. okay. <laughs> no, he, okay. he was all right to me. We weren't very, like, or BFS or anything. 
What about your? I did what um, I had your, to do, and I went home. That's what I did. Right. I you also, also had, like, only an hour from TNA, so I would right. get back in my car and be like, "Peace out, done with work." <laughs> what it is is all business. Right. How, right. how was? How was it working with like somebody like a, a Bobby Roode or even a legend like Booker T? Working with Bobby was, we got along so well, we understood wrestling the same way. And, you know, we went out, we did our jobs, and that's as far as it went. So really the only time that I ever spent with Bobby was in the ring and just before right. we went out. <laughs> right. Would you, would well, you Booker, ever work with... I mean, it was good spending good. time, you know, it was good working with Booker. I mean, I learned a lot. Right. Only a couple times I was actually in the ring with them, so you can only take him. You never want to bug the guys too much. Right. Now, would you ever want to work for the WWE? Um. Well, I had a tryout, <laughs> and then Dr. Tom, Steve Kern, absolutely loved me, but that's as far as it went. There's, yeah, uh, as as it... there's some things that some there's some things that girls have to do to sometimes get a job there. Right. Unless ah. you're second or third generation, you pretty much have it handed to you. And sometimes you have to challenge your morals. And, you know, I don't have anything against that. That's fine. It's, you know, that's what people want to do. That's great. I don't judge. I don't care. That's their decision. But it's not right. my personal decision to do that. Right. Well, so and it's you would say... Because, sorry, Joe, go. No, I was going to say, is that, so do you aspire to, to, to go to WWE? Is that a goal of yours, or... Do you just like to prefer to be in WSU? Did did you not understand what I just said? I said I didn't want to challenge my morals. But WSU doesn't challenge your morals? Uh, I don't think you quite understand what I'm getting at. (laughs) I I get the feeling that um, there's stuff that they're asking you to do that is just something that you will not do for any reason. Ever for a job. (laughs) We'll just leave it at that. (laughs) So, no, I will not be working at WWE because I have certain morals, and I don't want to break those morals for other girls. You know, if they decide to be a little looser and get that job, then that's fine. But there's some girls that WWE hires for certain reasons, and then there's other girls like third generation, second generation, like Natty, who have a job because they're dad to start with. And she also works really hard and in Japan and stuff, and WWE loves that, so... Right. Yeah, it's kind of so tough. You know, for second and third generations to get a shot before anybody else, and then yeah. some other girls. There's other reasons why they're hired. Right. Well, I think I think the issue that that we're kind of having is that you're breaking up a little bit. Like I, I kind of I understood what you were getting at. I think Joe's real question was, uh, if if you could put that aside, the experience you went through beforehand. Did you ever think, man, I would love to work in the WWE someday? Not you know, not not saying to bend your morals. Not saying to do anything like that, just in general, because you know we've talked to quite a few wrestlers, and for the most part, they all say, "Oh, you know, WWE was my dream, or I would love to work in the WWE one day." We actually had a, another uh, another guy from uh, Ring of Honor, and he told us that he had a chat with the WWE, but they they wanted him to take his his like religious beliefs, which is a big part of who he is, and kind of turn it on its side because they didn't think that that would get over. In the WWE, so I know that you know everybody has kind of like their own opinion of that. But yep. now that you're working in in WSU, um, you know you, you you're briefly you were the uh, the Spirit Champion. Uh, you know, tell us what's so great about working there because I've noticed 
Uh, I've seen a lot of women who were in the in TNA or the WWE, like let's say Melina and Serena, when their time is up with those companies for whatever reason, they end up in WSU, which I find fascinating. Why do you think that happens? I mean, is it is it just a good working environment, or it, it, why would it be appealing to so many different women who are who are well known? Well, first of all, answer the first question. I mean, I obviously would like to work in WWE. Obviously, wrestling is a business, and that's where you make money. So that's number one place you want to go. So if you don't want to make money, why are you in wrestling? You should be in money or in wrestling to make money. If you're not in right. wrestling to make money, then you are just breaking your body for no reason at all. It's an expensive, going to kill you hobby. You know what I right, mean? Right. Second, I would say WSU is a great place to go for women wrestlers because there's so many different women wrestlers that go there from all over, and you get the experience to work with different girls. And sometimes, unless you don't go to those certain women companies, you don't get a chance to work those girls that you don't live near or are not on the same show because you think about it, if there's a show, usually there might be one women's match, one. Right, right, And then right. they usually stick with at least one of the same girl all the time pretty much because they have a local person or somebody who works cheap or whatnot. And then so they'll bring in a random person to work that same girl all the time. But you don't get an abundance of girls like you do at WSU, and they always change it up. So that's what I enjoy about that, because I, I get a wide variety of girls to work with. I get the help in the back. I help the girls. You know, I'm trying to pass on what I learn to them, give them hip, you know, give them some tips to get to WWE or TNA if that's what they want. Right. So, okay. Rain, who would you say I get, your, I get to do uh, a lot of coaching now, so I like I enjoy that part a lot. That's really cool. I mean, who would you say is your favorite opponent, or who do you like to work in the ring with the best? It's different from every every part of the country, but in Mexico, I love working the Apache sisters. I mean, those girls are amazing. I love tagging with, you know, Lacey and Jetta against pretty much anybody because working with them two together is just fantastic. Um, I love working Daisy Hayes. She's she's a trip. <laughs> and um, in the United States also, I mean, I've had really good bouts back in the days with, you know, Mickey Knuckles. Let's see. Who else in this area? Mercedes Martinez, clearly. I mean, her and I can just, we can just walk from separate sides of the country into the same building at the same time into the ring and then wrestle each other. That's how well we flow together, you know. It's, it's right. awesome wrestling her. I love wrestling her. Like, just sometimes you have somebody that your body clicks with and you're just like, wow. And okay, I would say also Mex or Japan, both of the girls that I wrestled there were amazing. So... I would love to wrestle, love to wrestle one day Minami Toyota though before she's done done. <laughs> wow. Now, uh, you know, there's a lot of different women, a lot of different uh, opponents you touched on, and, and you mentioned something interesting. You said that you like to mentor. That's what you're doing a lot of now. Was there anybody who mentored you or anybody you looked up to growing up that you said, you know, I want to be like this person, or they helped you uh, along the way in terms of your career? Well, watching growing up in the wrestling business, because I didn't watch that much. Like, I watched a lot of wrestling, but I didn't know any, like, girl wrestling or Japanese stuff until I actually got in the business. So I was very oblivious to any indies or anything like that until I actually got in the business. When I finally got in the business, when I started watching 
tapes at the time, the DVDs, it was Minami Toyota. But Lexi Fife really took me under her wing, and she's my wrestling mommy, so she really passed it down to me. Like, she would be in there critiquing every little thing that I do. She'd be like, you have happy feet, and they don't want you to have sad feet. I don't want you to stop jumping around and just moving around for no reason. She'd yell at me and just make me, like, calm down a little bit. And she'd be like, all right, now you need to start doing your hair better, and you need to start wearing a little bit more makeup, and you need to, you know, wear that outfit that looks good on you. That doesn't look good on you. Get rid of that. So she really helped me out wrestling-wise and with looks-wise because training with guys growing up in the wrestling business, you don't learn anything about hair or makeup or, you know, posture or anything like that. And she really took me under wing and really formed me into and molded me and took me on the road with her a lot, especially when I moved down to Florida. Wow. Now, um, you know, it, it's interesting here that, uh, you know, I look at your – What's been going on in terms of WSU and what's coming up? And there's a, there's a big five-year anniversary show in a little less than two months, and I see that you're facing Lexus at that now. How big of a match is that for you in terms of uh, WSU? In terms of WSU? I yeah, you know, think, your, your career there. I would think my biggest matches were against Mercedes Martinez. I think that now it's time for other girls to step it up a little bit more. I think I'm... You know, it's kind of my turn to help start passing it down a little bit. And I think, you know, Lexa, she's been in the business a little bit, but I think it'll be really good for her to get in the ring with me, and especially a little shit she pulls. I get to get my hands on her a little bit, rough her up a little okay. bit, toughen her up a little bit. Right, right. <laughs> what, does, what does the future hold for you, Rain? Like, how can the fans follow you, your career, and, um, you know, give us some long-term goals? Well, long-term goals, I definitely want to help people get into the wrestling business properly these days, um, pass down what I learned over many, many years, 12 years, pass down, you know, my 12-year experience down to other girls and guys. I'm training a couple guys right now. Um, definitely going back up to WSU and, you know, staying there a lot. I'm just kind of picking and choosing what I do. I'm not at that point where I have to travel every single weekend to wrestle. I mean, I've been there, done that, traveled here, traveled there, but I would really like to go to Europe and wrestle definitely before I'm done. I don't know how long I have left. My body will start to tell me eventually, but I definitely want to travel more. I definitely like to go back to Japan, love wrestling there. And uh, I think my my time in Mexico is pretty much done. I did a solid year there. I think I'm good with Mexico, but... I definitely want to travel a little bit more. And I'll definitely keep everybody updated. Everything else that I do in my life, you know, I help people with their goals, with their weight, with their, you know, I train people in yoga. I do a lot of other things and probably start using my degree soon, which is what I was doing while I was in TNA, is going to school at the same time. I mean, you can ask AJ. He checks my grades all the time. <laughs> what do you have a degree in? So, I have a degree in radiation science. Oh yeah. wow, that, that's definitely uh, not the the norm, you know. It's not like uh, we hear a lot of people that I know, you know, I'm teacher this and that. So, what would what would you do with that uh, that kind of a degree? I mean, where would you end up? Let's say tomorrow you decided to quit wrestling and pursue your career. Well, if I started pursuing my career initially, I would be just an X-ray tech, and then I would finish up school. And then if I did probably I think six more years, I could be a doctor. <laughs> oh wow! But. I would at least get my foot in the door. I would probably take the next step and do ultrasounds. 
Oh, so okay. I would get in the door, the extra tech, have them help me finish school because school is expensive. And then yeah, I would probably do ultrasound tech. And then after that, work to be a doctor if that's what I wanted to be after being in the field, you know. Yeah. Well, I mean, you're still young enough. You know, you're actually, I, I looked at, I just looked at your oh, bio. Well, you're thank only, you very much. I appreciate that. <laughs> well, I mean, you're only like three months younger than I am. So, I mean, you're, you're definitely, you're, you're, you're practically a teenager. I mean, let, let's be honest, but you know, if you wanted to pursue a doctor and whatnot, obviously you, you have time to do that. And I know plenty of people who've spent years and years and years, eight years, 10 years, whatever it is in school. So, you know, you'll, you'll be fine. You're, you, you've got your whole life ahead of you, but listen, uh, you know, Ray, we really appreciate you coming on. Now, now just tell us, uh, before we let you go, how can the fans get a hold of you and how can they follow you? You know, they can follow me on Twitter under Radiant underscore Rain. You know, I'm pretty active with everybody. I speak to everybody on there. I try to reply to everybody. Or they can follow me on my Facebook at Rain Gringa Loca, and that one's <laughs> usually pretty full. Or they can follow me on DRM Yoga. And I also help people with their goals and their fitness goals as well on there. And I give lots of tips and advice for weight loss and even hair and makeup and skin and everything, whatever floats their boat. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I think uh, I think Joe and I may need to ask you some a couple of tips on, on some of that. Not you know hair and makeup, but so maybe some oh, of the weight stuff. Oh, definitely want tips on hair and makeup. <laughs> <laughs> But you know, again, we really appreciate you giving, you know, spending some time. And after your whole uh, your tryout before the show, we appreciate you just giving us a few minutes. And uh, we thank you so much. And hopefully, we can have you on again in the future. Well, thank you for having me, and thank you for letting me go so I can shower. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that, that's a big plus. You, you go take care of that. <laughs> <laughs> it's much needed. Well, you guys right, have a lovely care. night, and I hope you have fun with your other guys. You too. Thank you very much. Yep. Bye. Folks, that was the one and only Rain from WSU. And, of course, uh, like I mentioned earlier, she was Peyton Banks in TNA, which would be her most uh, well-known role in terms of exposure. Now, Joe, you know, we've had uh, we've had quite a few guests on. We've had quite a few different things in the course of this, this program, sir. And now, you know, we had Alicia on, uh, so Rain would actually make our second women's wrestler, and, of course, that would be from uh, both of them from WSU, uh, interestingly enough. That is interesting enough, and uh, I was telling you in our, in our mic while she was talking, but, you know, she's really making it rain. I mean, that's a, a positive slang term that I hear a lot, and she's really, you know, she really sticks to her morals. She knows that, you know, right now the WWE is not a place that she wants to be a part of. I got that after the second time I asked her, and, you know, she's making it rain. She could be a doctor if she wanted to be. That's great. Well, you know what it was, sir? Uh, the line was kind of tough because I heard I heard her, and I understood what she was saying, and, and I don't know if on your end, but, it, you know, it was a little, bit, a little bit difficult in terms of actually understanding her. So, you know, that, of course, is uh, is interesting, as it were. So, you know, she thought we, we kind of didn't understand, and I guess I got it, and maybe you didn't, but... You know, we just wanted to know, really, if she'd ever consider going to the WWE, and of course she mentioned it. You know, what's interesting about what she said, her answer was that if you're in this business and you're not here to make money, then why are you doing it? But, I mean, Joe, how many wrestlers, indie wrestlers, don't do it just for the heck of it and, and batter their bodies and smash themselves up? I mean, maybe not so smart, but they're not into WWE. They're not planning to make it to the WWE. They've got no hope, no chance, no chance in hell of making it to the WWE, so a lot of them are just kind of doing it for fun. And i got to tell you, Joe, that's one thing I can't imagine doing uh, just for kicks and uh, giggles, as it were. Yeah, I don't know about being, you know, 
getting beer and pizza thrown at me every single night. I, I guess, I mean, the obvious question is she loves being a heel. I mean, there's no doubt about that. Oh yeah, absolutely, and it's pretty it's pretty obvious that that's what she what she likes. Although I can't imagine me personally, I always thought it would be so much better to be a face, and yeah, it, it would have to be easy to get heat as a heel. But I mean, honestly, I've always imagined myself as as more of a face rather than anything else. Yeah, I mean, you're definitely a face. Yeah, well, you of course would have, would have to be the heel of this group, sir. Of course. So. Sure. You know, now that we we talked a little wrestling, uh, when Josh calls in, we'll be able to get back into that and, and you know, kind of switch gears a bit. But, sir, we got to get into what happened this weekend. We have to get into what the amazing wonderfulness that that we we experienced, sir. But before we do that, well, let's uh, well, let's take a short little break to uh, listen to this, sir. Hey everyone, this is Brittany Don Brandon, Miss Arizona USA 2011, and Pure Gold is the best show on the radio, so make sure you tune in, check out the latest in entertainment, news, and sports. Sir, all I can say is, from one of our best guests from last week, sir, I mean, that was, actually from two weeks ago, that, sir, was truly a PG clip. And as a matter of fact, I mentioned this to her on Twitter. You know that Britney's episode is actually the most listened to out of all the different, you know, Miss USAs and, you know, Maryland Misses and the Misses that we've had on the show. Hers uh, is the most listened to, sir. That is true. And, Brittany, the check's in the mail. Thank you so much. <laughs> of course, sir. But, yeah, so, uh, you know, we had this amazing weekend, sir. We had this wonderful weekend of, uh, of football this amazing weekend of, of course, playoffs. Playoffs? Don't talk about playoffs. You kidding me? Playoffs? I think that with the two games that we had, I mean, honestly, I, I don't think any team can say that they didn't show up. I don't think any team can say that they didn't get the job done. But I do think that uh, that John Harbaugh is John or Jim? I forget. Is it Jim? Who's the coach of the Ravens? Is it John or is it Jim? It's John Harbaugh. John Harbaugh, as I said originally, would probably say this after Billy Cundiff, uh, you know, hosed, uh, hosed it at the end of the game. And that was a disgraceful performance, in my opinion. We threw that game. We gave it away by doing that. We gave them the friggin' game. In my opinion, that sucked. <laughs> my favorite clip, sir. Would you agree that after that slop fest of an ending with the Ravens, and you know what, sir, let's touch on that first before we get into the Giants. Would you agree that uh, Jim Harbaugh would, would feel that way, sir? I mean, he definitely would feel that way. Let's just face it. The, both games were, if you were a football fan, you got two great games this past Sunday on Championship Sunday. You had the Patriots against the Ravens, and, you know, everyone was saying how Joe Flacco is not a good quarterback. Even his defense was calling him out. Let's face it, folks. If you watch the game on Sunday, you know that Joe Flacco is not to blame for this loss. They were right in it to the very end. In fact, he threw a pass with about 23 seconds left that I forget the guy's name, but he should have caught in the end zone, but the New England guy knocked it out of his hands. So they go for a tie, you know, a tie, go into overtime. You figure, all right, now, you know, Baltimore has a shot in overtime, and then Billy Cundiff misses a field goal, a chip shot field goal, as you will. And, you know, let's face it, you look at the expressions on the Baltimore Ravens' face after playing their hearts out for four quarters, and Billy Cundiff misses the ball, uh, misses the field goal wide left, sir. I mean, if I was a Baltimore fan, I know one fan that I know personally is a Baltimore fan. I know he was devastated when that kick went wide left. Really? Who's that? 
Oh, my friend Neelay is um, somebody that I, I know. I don't think you've ever met him, but he's a Baltimore Raven fan. I think he grew up down in Baltimore. Okay. Well, uh, whoever this, this clown is, I mean, he must have been... He must have been in pain, sir. He must have been in pain. And, you know, I'm watching the end of this game, right? You know, I was busy or whatever. I saw the entire Giants game from start to finish. I saw this game towards the very end. And I'm thinking, you know, uh, when Evans sir, when Evans dropped that ball in the end zone, I literally could not believe it. I wanted the Ravens to win because I believe it. I know everybody says that the Ravens present a tougher matchup for the Giants, but I actually think that, uh, you know, the Ravens would be easier for the Giants to handle, although, you know, I'll get into that later. Um but anyway, I, I was, you know, kind of hoping they'd win, regardless of what, you know, the Giants have to play whoever, you know, whoever whoever's in front of them. But when Evans dropped that ball, so that would have won the game. Joe, you had the ball in your hands. How do you get over something like that? I mean, before we get to Billy Cundiff, before I talk about him, and anyway, he had that ball. The ball was ripped out of his hands. That would have ended the game. They wouldn't have even needed uh, an extra point. Obviously, they would have had the time. But, sir, how does that happen? Explain that to me, sir. I think there was a rush rush about it from what I hear. Billy Cundoff was rushed onto the field. The ball, you know, was snapped perfectly. He just shanked it. I, I don't I don't think he even had time to, to think about the kick. I just think that everything was rushed and I'll tell you what, the the Baltimore Ravens probably will not recover from this for a long time. This team was right there. And again, Joe Flacco, he was the man. He was making some great throws during that game and he was he was playing just as good as Brady was in that game and for them well, to lose the way so he actually played better than Tom Brady, and Tom Tom himself admitted that he sucked at in that game. Flacco was the better quarterback on Sunday, sir. Yeah, and uh, I mean you got you got a great game to start off Championship Sunday between the two, and you know for me being a Jet fan. By the way, where are the Jet fans these days? Oh, <laughs> oh of course, sir. Hello, of course. is anyone out there? Todd, are you out there? I mean, where are the Jet fans? I mean, I'm watching. Honestly, I think the Jets fans are out there doing this. Hanging out with the cows. Yeah, I think that's Billy Cundiff, to be honest with you. I mean, that guy is not going to be on the team next year, that's for sure. You wouldn't think so, sir. But, sir, when he shanked that kick, a kick that you or I probably could have made, sir, how horrible did he have to feel? I don't want to hear excuses. I don't want to hear he was rushed out onto the field. Sir, that's a kick you have to make. Your your game is on the line. Your season is on the line. Your career might be on the line. A chance to go to the Super Bowl, once-in-a-lifetime thing. Sir, they, there's no excuse for that. There's absolutely no excuse to shank that kick. 32 yards, sir. How does it happen? I mean, I was pulling for the Ravens because, you know, I, I don't want to see the New England Patriots in there. I, I really do not like that organization, sir. And uh, the fact that that kick went wide left was just – Typical Jets luck on my end because now you got a Super Bowl from 2007 that is just like unbearable to watch. Well, as a Jets fan, I could imagine, and of course we we could touch on that a little bit later, sir. But um, I mean, you know, you, I guess you'd have to root for Baltimore, like you said, because I mean, who wants to see the Patriots in there again? I know I don't. I I, I mean, I think the Giants are. I'm certain the Giants are the better team, and I have no doubt that the Giants will win, but. I mean, you know, it's like how many times, Tom, you know, five Super Bowls for Tom Brady, you get out, please. Just go away. <laughs> it's true. Bill, Bill Belichick, please, with that hoodie, just, you know, get the hell out and, you know. Shut up, shut up! Shut up, shut up! <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, get the Patriots out of my Super Bowl, please. <laughs> yeah, you know what, sir? I, I, I mean, the truth is that, 
if you think about it, the Patriots, it's just kind of like you're tired of it. You're really just thinking this. You make us all sick. I'm sick and tired of the New England Patriots, and I don't want to hear them anymore. I don't want to hear about them anymore. But, sir, we have a Super Bowl 42 rematch on our hands, and it should have been a Super Bowl, uh, let's see, what are we talking about, six years? What was Super Bowl 35, was it, I believe, 32 or 35 of the Giants and the Ravens? You would have had that rematch, which I think would have been a little bit more interesting. But, I mean, that, that was a heck of a game, and uh, like um, like Jim Mora said, the Ravens pretty much coughed it up. When two good teams play, like, on, on Championship Sunday between the San Francisco 49ers and the Giants, sir, um, I might have mentioned it last week on our show. I mentioned how the weather might be a factor, but it seemed like these two teams, their defenses were playing outstanding throughout the whole game. You know, you had the Giants take a 10-7 lead into halftime, and you were kind of worried if you're a 49er fan because Alex Smith, let's face it, aside from a throw to Vernon Davis, um, you know, in the first quarter, yeah, I'm just talking about the first half. Aside from that one oh. throw they scored a touchdown, you were kind of worried that Alex Smith was not going to have a good game like he did against the New Orleans Saints. And he, let's face it, he sucked it up pretty much the whole game. He made two throws, you're right, a second throw in the second half to Vernon Davis to make it 14-10. And when these two teams are so evenly matched, sir, and their defense are playing at such a high level, all it takes is one mistake. And San Francisco didn't make just one mistake. They made two critical mistakes. They turned the, you know, let's just face it, in the fourth quarter, everything was going the 49ers' way after they took a 14-10 lead. They had all the momentum in the world, and then there was that punt to Kyle Williams that grazes his knee, and I do not understand why, for the life of me, he does not jump on that ball. Even if he thinks the ball touches his knee, you're jumping on that ball. He shied away. I don't know if it has to do with this concussion now. I'm hearing about the concussion syndromes, whatever it is. If he has a concussion, he should be playing anyway. So the fact that he didn't jump on the ball, he wasn't a man enough to jump on the ball. He shied away. The Giants got the – they reviewed it with Tom Coughlin, got the ball back. And, you know, the Giants from there, I, I had a feeling in my gut, honestly, was that they were going to win that game after that. That that changes a momentum. That changes a whole game around. Oh, of course. You're absolutely right. Um you know that well. What I was listening to on the radio this week, they were saying something defective like that. Williams must have forgotten that he's in the NFL and that you know they have instant replay and it's reviewable. So they're thinking he's like he was acting as if the ball didn't hit him. I like you said. I don't understand if the ball hits you in the knee. You feel it hit you in the knee. So you know how is it that how is it that you don't how is it that you don't go after that ball, sir? I just don't understand it. I don't understand it either. And kudos to the Giants special teams for actually picking up that ball and running with it because who knows what actually happens. You know, you play the play through you play the play and you let the referee blow the whistle. So the referee blew the whistle, the ball was dead. But the Giants challenged, which is always good to have a challenge in the second half, by the way folks. Always have a, a challenge for the second half because times like that you definitely need it. Tom Coughlin challenged it. They got the ball back. Peyton Manning drew up uh, Peyton Manning, Eli Manning brought the team down. They scored a touchdown made it 17-14, and I don't even know how the Niners recovered to come back with a field goal and tie it and bring it to 17-17, sir. I mean, that that's really um, – they're pretty mentally tough to come back from that blunder by Kyle Williams. No, you're right. There's no doubt that uh, that they're mentally tough. Like you said, though, Alex Smith didn't play. He he sucked. I mean, there's no doubt about it. He absolutely sucked. I mean, Eli had to throw like 100, you know, he had 60 passes, which is 58, which is an all-time giant record. He completed 30 which is also an all-time giant record. So it's kind of like uh, a bit much. But, you know, truthfully, sir, this is a game that the defense was able to kind of, you know, hold them down. The defense did hold the Giants 
but the Giants won. And ultimately, at the end of the day, that's what matters, sir. As Antro Rowe would say a hundred times, at the end of the day, at the end of the day, at the end of the day. Well, at the end of the day, Antro, but your team was able to, to, you know, make it. So they were able to make it happen. And I was a little nervous that Lawrence Tynes, not a big fan of his. I remember him shanking like three kicks in the NFC Championship game against Green Bay in 07 and finally making it. But you know what? The Giants got the job done. And those two muff punts, really, uh, amazingly enough, sir, he actually did the same thing in college. Um, you know, Mr. Uh, Mr. Williams over there, Kyle Williams, who, who muffed a kick or two, I believe. And one of them may have been for a national championship or for a title game. Uh, you know, I'd have to look into a little bit further, but I remember hearing something to that effect, sir. And let, let's touch on that for a second. Um, you know, there were some Giants who were quoted, sir, as, uh, as targeting Kyle Williams from the 49ers. And, uh, you know, the, to take him out of the game, to hit him hard because he has a history of concussions, apparently. Now, Jaquan Williams, who, uh, knocked, who knocked the ball out of his hands um, the second time, and uh, that allowed Devin Thomas to recover the, the second punt. I mean, Devin Thomas recovered both punts, which is amazing. He really played his tail off. But those two guys are quoted in some articles about, you know, targeting him and wanting to take him out of the game. Um, give us your thoughts on that, sir, because I was going back and forth with some some sloppy, jalopy, sad, miserable Jets fans. And, uh, you know, I, I'd like to get your take on that, sir. Please, if you would, do us a favor in the pure gold world, sir. I need a JB rant right about now. <laughs> you know the bottom line is, sir, the bottom line is that any fan other than the Patriots or the Giants needs to shut the hell up because, let's face <laughs> it, anybody that decides that the reason why the Giants won the game is because they went after a guy that had concussion or concussion-like symptoms or is just a loser. I cannot stand the fact that Jeff fans are people that are going to start complaining and say that's the reason why the Giants won. No, the Giants won because they were the better team that day. So any fans that are going to start using excuses like that are just a sorry excuse for a fan. And uh, I'm going to be honest with you, the Jet fans that, that are complaining about that, they need to... Go to hell! Seriously, I mean, I mean that's how I feel about this right now. I am so annoyed that I have a 2007 Super Bowl rematch where I can't root for both teams. It's bad enough, and now I have Jeff fans that need to, you know, that are talking out of their butts. Let's face it. Go to hell. That's what I say to you. Wow, um, sir. I mean that that was good. I was hoping for a little bit more. I was hoping for some some Jobyisms. I was hoping for JB to go nuts. But uh, you know what, sir. I mean, I don't understand people. People come up with these, these ridiculous reasons. It's like you said, you know, we talked about this off the air. The Giants weren't going for his head. The Giants weren't punching this guy in the face and trying to concuss him. Yeah, they were trying to knock him out of the game. But last time I checked, isn't that the point of football? Aren't you saying, I'm going to physically harm somebody else so that my team can win? Isn't that what football is all about? Yeah, it is. I mean, I'll be honest with you. If we, if we look back at the fourth quarter at 17-17, both teams had so many opportunities to take the lead and win the game, even just 20 to 17. And they exchanged a lot of three and outs. And you know, I know you were queasy uh, at least for the most of the fourth quarter. And then overtime, it just took that one mistake again by Kyle Williams. And you know what, sir? Above above what Kyle Williams, Kyle Williams did, he muffed the punt, and then the Giants recovered. I really blame, honestly, and nobody. I don't know if anybody touched upon this, but. I blame the head coach for this because the first time it, it hits Kyle Williams' knee and he doesn't grab it, you could tell he's not mentally in it. To you know, you need to be mentally focused on everything, every play. So the fact that he left him in to return another punt to me was a, a mistake by Jim Harbaugh, the head coach. 
Uh, at that point, you either tell Kyle Williams to fair catch the ball and we'll let our offense do it because the defense is taking care of business, or you get somebody else to catch that punt because Kyle Williams definitely was not mentally in it. For You know, he, he let the ball hit his knee and he didn't go after it. So for that, why would you leave him in in overtime when it's even more critical, more crucial to catch the ball? I just don't agree with it. Well, you're right, sir. I mean, there, there's no... There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. The truth of the matter is that that was a bad job. That was an absolute bad job by uh, by uh, you know Jim Harbaugh, and I just don't get it, sir. Actually, by John Harbaugh. No, Jim Harbaugh. Sorry, I, Jim Harbaugh. I keep yep. getting these guys confused. Yeah, Jim Harbaugh, who was the uh, who was at one point the, the the quarterback for the Colts, sir. Amazingly enough, I remember I remember Jim. You know, when I was growing up, not, I wasn't much of a football fan as a kid. But I remember him with the Colts for several years, and, you know, he was all over the place. He was even with the Bears and whatnot who drafted him. But, sir, that that idea that he left Kyle Williams in there, first of all, the kid is inexperienced at all in the NFL. Um, you know, he's inexperienced, period, in terms of returning punts. I think he only had, like, six. He only had six in his whole career. So, I mean, I think including the two on uh, on Sunday that he muffed, I mean, how are you going to let this kid go out there and, and do that? So yeah, I understand that Ted Ginn Jr. is injured and he's your normal uh, return man, but come on, sir, that was just that was just bad play calling. That was a bad job by by Jim Harbaugh. And truthfully, you know what? The Giants capitalized on a mistake, and that's that's all you can ask for, sir. It's like baseball. Uh, anytime you know when your opponents make a mistake, you got to capitalize on it, and that's all that you can do because truthfully, those breaks come, and you can't afford to pass them up. And that's exactly what happened here with the uh, with the Giants, and they were able to win the game. And yeah, Kyle Williams played a big part of it, sir. But that whole that whole idea of the Giants doing something immoral, and people were writing about this. Some some schmuck from the uh, I think it's Hubbock from the the Post was talking about how the Giants are immoral and this and that. Like seriously, what kind of a loser? Uh, what kind of a loser writes this garbage? What kind of a loser gets paid to write this stuff? And what kind of fools are the ones repeating and saying, "Oh yeah, it's disgusting. It's tasteless. It's this is that." I'm sorry. Yeah, everyone has a right to their own opinion, but let be realistic. It's football. It's a game that's predicated on violence and smashing people into the ground. You don't like you can't say in the heat, get out of the kitchen. Don't be a sore Jets fan. Don't be a sore loser. Don't be a loser and complain that they're, they're, oh yeah, yeah, they it's tasteless. It's classless. They went after a guy with concussions. I'm sorry. If the medical staff cleared him to play, then all is fair on the football field because the fact of the matter is that when you take it all into account, that is what the game is all about. As I've mentioned, you know, multiple times, you got to knock guys out of their socks, knock them out of their cleats, do what you got to do, ram the football down their face, and that's it. That's football. My own wife, who doesn't even like sports, who actually hates sports, she was into the game. She was she was totally engrossed in the football game. She's asking me about. I actually had to explain the first muff punt to her, and she was asking me about it. She's like, wait a minute, why this? Why that? You know. And it was interesting because, you know, she was showing interest, and I love that kind of stuff from her. Um, but you know what? I mean, the casual fan is sitting there. My wife's not thinking, oh, no, they're, oh, they're hitting too hard. Shut up. Just shut up. Because you know what? The Jets, and you would agree with this, sir, they scummed it up. They didn't go anywhere. You know what? That's what matters. The Giants are in the Super Bowl. That is all that matters, sir. When you look at the Giants' season, I mean, the team started out six and two, and then they just fell apart. They lost, you know, they they were six and six, then seven six, seven seven. It was a month ago today, believe it or not, was Christmas Eve, December twenty fourth, where the Jets and the Giants were both playing for basically to get into the playoffs. Whoever 
was going to win that game, was going to have a good shot at making the playoffs. And the Giants, they won the game, took care of business, and the following week after that, they beat the Dallas Cowboys for the division. So they've been playing must game. They've been playing must win games for the past five weeks. And you look at the, the the opponents that they've played. I mean, the Jets were not that good this year. Let's face it. But you know, the Cowboys were in it right to the end. And then the playoffs. I mean, look at the teams that the the Giants beat to get to the Super Bowl. They beat the Atlanta Falcons. Okay, they didn't show up. But then you, you played the defending Super Bowl champions in Green Bay a 15-1 and team, and they took care of them. And then they went to San Francisco the following week, which was this past week, and they took care of them too. So, I mean, give all the credit in the world to Tom Coughlin. Give all the credit in the world to Eli Manning. Do not give any of the credit to the fans that jump ship like yourself because you, <laughs> my friend, are an ankle breaker when it comes to the Giants. Oh, of course. Look, sir, you know what? Let's be honest here, sir. Let's be honest. I love it. I will jump ship in a second, in an absolute second. If it means that the Giants are going to win, I will betray them. I will turn on them. I will kick them in the shins. I will do whatever I have to do to make sure the Giants win. I had a call from my buddy Abraham who ripped me on Twitter, ripped me on the phone, ripping me left and right because I, because I jump ship. Look, I don't care what anybody says. When the Giants were, were, were stuffing their fat faces, when they were injured, when they were playing the Jets, don't tell me there was anybody in the planet who was like, man, the Giants are awesome. They're going to the Super Bowl because that person would be a liar. The Giants looked like garbage. The Giants were, were, were on the verge of being an 8-8 eight and eight scumhole football team like your scumhole football team. And you know what? They turned it on. They got the guys healthy at the exact time, which is when it matters the most at the end of the season. They've played five must-win games, and they have stomped pretty much everybody out other than the 49ers. They laid a beating of a lifetime on the 15-1 and Packers. And like I said, I, I never pick against my team uh, in terms of my actual prediction. But you know what? I don't care, Joe. I really don't care. I don't care that I was wrong. I love being wrong, and I'll be wrong a hundred times like I told Abraham. If it means the Giants are going to win the Super Bowl – then I'll say, you know what, the Giants can't win it because all that means is that they're going to win it. Because when I feel confident, bad things happen. That's all I can tell you, sir. There's definitely a lot of parallels between uh, the season, uh, this past season and you know the season that the Giants won the Super Bowl in Super Bowl 42. You, you had the two teams play each other, and but you know you had a little role reversal this year. You had the Giants actually beating the Patriots in the regular season. So you know, it'll be interesting to see what happens in the Super Bowl, but the the real main thing to take if you're a Giant fan um, it, going to the Super Bowl is that you're not going to worry about winning in spite of Eli Manning anymore like you did four years ago. You're going to win because of Eli Manning, and I think that Absolutely. now the talk now the talk becomes is Eli Manning the best quarterback that the Giants have ever had? Uh, that's a maybe because you know Phil Simms is there, but you, you talk about you start. It's amazing how far uh, Eli Manning has come, and and Tom Coughlin, the guy. I mean, everyone wanted this guy out when the team was falling apart at 6-6. Six and six. It was only the GM that, you know, Ernie Acorsi, that steered the course and just decided to let the, let the season play out. Because you could have easily fired Tom Coughlin after losing, what, they lost six games in a row, something like that? Yeah. Well, no, they lost four games in a row. So they were 6-2, and two, they lost four games in a row, and they ended up becoming, uh, you know, 6-6, six and, uh, six and six, which, you know, that's pretty much when people started to jump ship. I mean, they looked... They looked horrible, sir. That's pretty much all I can tell you. But you know what? Uh, like you said, I didn't want Tom to get fired. I did say that I thought that Tom would get fired, 
but I really didn't think that he was going to get fired, sir. I thought, I mean, excuse me, I didn't want him to get fired, but I did think that he would get fired if the Giants finished the season out and collapsed the way that they were on the verge of doing. Um, I honestly believed it, and the fans who were, were out for his head, who, who hate him, fans like my brother, you know, they're phonies, I don't want to hear it, fans like, uh, you know, whoever you can think of is sitting there ripping, ripping the teams, you know what? At the, at ripping your team. At the end of the day, what matters is the Giants are here, sir. Whether I'm right or wrong or whoever's right or wrong, you know, uh, Coughlin does not deserve to get fired. And as a matter of fact, I think that no matter what, sir, no matter what the outcome of this game at all, the Giants could lose by 10 touchdowns. Tom Coughlin should have a lifetime contract with the Giants, retire when he wants to retire. They can't force him out. They can't do anything. I honestly don't even want to hear it, sir, because he has been a heck of a coach. He's taken into a second Super Bowl. Sir, if they beat the Patriots now, which I suspect they will, if they win the second Super Bowl, second title against Tom Brady and Bill Belichick, sir, that is, that's unprecedented. That's, that's amazing. They dealt a huge blow to their legacy with that monster, uh, you know, winning Super Bowl 42. And, and I don't even think this game is going to be that close, sir. I really do not believe that the, that the game will be that close. And I think that the Giants are going to win uh, much easier than they did the first time. Um, and you know what, sir, that's really what it all comes down to because the truth of the matter is this team is better. The Giants are the better football team in this scenario. And, uh, you know, for like I said, for all those fans who are sitting there talking about the, the cough and the cough needs to go, the cough needs to go, the cough doesn't need to go anywhere. Tom Coughlin is a heck of a coach. He is an amazing coach, and he has done quite a job. And like I said, I, I thought for sure he was going to get hosed because of the way the Giants were on their, you know, the, the terrible run that the Giants were on. But, you know, I mean, at the end of the day, sir, it is what it is. The Giants laid the smack down. They did what they had to do. And I am just honestly happy that they, I mean, you know, I'm just thrilled that the Giants were able to make it. I'm, I'm thrilled that they're in the Super Bowl. Sir. I don't think anybody thought the Giants were going to make it into the Super Bowl. I don't care. You could be the most diehard Giants fan on the planet. I honestly do not think that anybody thought the Giants were going to do this, the Giants were going to, um, win the Super Bowl. They're even going to make it to the Super Bowl. Let, let, let's be honest, sir. Anybody who really thought that is a phony, you can have confidence in your team. You can think your team is good, but, sir, I don't think anybody was really thinking that, sir, that the Giants were going to win. Um, but, sir, you know, we have, we're have we going to have to switch gears for a second because we have joining us on the hotline the one and only, the man, the myth, the legend, the co-host of Chair Shot Reality on WrestleZone.com, the two-time, two-time returning champion, the one and only, and I said that five times already, Mr. Josh Eisenberg. Josh, how are you doing, sir? I am doing great, guys. Thanks again for having me on. Looking forward to uh, spitting some wrestling talk with you guys. No problem. Really appreciate you joining us. And I, we were, I was in the middle of a rant about the Giants, uh, you know, talking about some football here. But, uh, you know, we're going to have to Love shift the Giants, because... by the way. I'm rooting for the Giants, just to let you know. I know you're a big Giants fan. I've been rooting for them the entire playoffs. They broke my heart in 2007. Uh, in Lambeau Field when they beat my boy Brett, but ever since then I've been rooting for your Giants. So just wanted to let you know was, that. You gotta, you you gotta be anti Tom Brady. I, unless you're from New England, I don't want to hear these phony fans who live in New Jersey rooting for Tom Brady. Go away, please. Just go away. The most important thing <laughs> is the Giants win. Do another crushing blow to Bill Belichick. That's all that matters. I want. I want Tom Brady to end up like Zack Ryder did last night on WWE TV. <laughs> I mean, not really, because obviously, you know, the whole, the whole fake, uh, the fake neck injury. But you know, we'll, we'll get into all that, Josh. Uh, the first sure. thing I'd like to talk about, other than thanking you again for rooting for my team, um, there's so many things to touch on with the Royal Rumble this Sunday. Now, the first thing, Kane versus John Cena. 
I, I know I read your articles on WrestleZone, title this. Uh, I always check them out. And I'd like to know, give us give us your thoughts to the Pure Gold audience. Um, what, is there going to be any type of outcome to this whole thing uh, come Sunday? Are we looking at a, a double disqualification? Are we looking at them fighting and then getting into the rumble later on and going after each other? Because I felt this way. We kind of told you this the last time you were on. That I, I think the WWE painted themselves into a corner with the Rock Cena. Rock and Cena don't even fit into the, the grand scheme of what's going on right now because in two months they have yeah. to fight each other. Um, I mean, what's going to happen with this whole Kane-John Cena mess? I, th- I think you hit it the nail right on the head. I do think it's going to be some sort of a double disqualification because you figure this, you can't have Kane lose because you've built so much into him being the last person that you usually see the past two months on Raw since his return. And what happens if you have John Cena lose clean? He's going to lose to Kane, a guy who is finally relevant once again. Uh, you know, you could talk about the whole world championship reign that he had. But before that, he was the guy that was getting beaten easily by up-and-coming superstars. He was never a real threat. Now, right. if you have John – and you can't have John Cena lose, what's going to happen? He's going to lose there. Nobody's going to take him to, to really beat The Rock at WrestleMania. And I – I'm going to honestly say that I think The Rock has, is, is the front runner right now of winning. Um, I just don't think there's, you know, they don't put the title on Cena for a reason to have that a championship match because they don't want Rock to, you know, to win the title or lose the, you know, not get the championship because they're not sure if he's going to be there full time. But the Rumble's going to be, you know, I'm going to predict a double disqualification. I think that's the best way to go. Have them really show the aggressive anger of John Cena that they've, you know, pretty much built up the past month, especially this week. I loved when they cut to his face. It looked real. It didn't look fake. It didn't look scripted like he was forcing an, an emotion out. But um, if they're going to get back into the Rumble match, I, I expect both of them to get back in there. Um, and I do think something's going to happen with Kane where he's just going to run roughshed all over the Rumble and make a statement, but he's obviously going to do the same old thing and not win again. Right, right. <laughs> of course, Kane can't win. I think that's written somewhere in the WWE handbook that Kane can't win the Royal Rumble. I saw the stats last night that he's like four behind uh, Shawn Michaels for the most eliminations. He's probably going to yeah. eliminate like 25 guys this Sunday and then, of course, uh, you know, go down at the end. Of course. That's what they always do with him because they never won the, the main event of made, which is for a given reason. I don't know if you can really build a huge world title picture with Kane in the main event of WrestleMania. He's not the best worker in the world, not saying that he's bad, but he's, of not, course. he's a he's a very good uh, grudge match match at WrestleMania if that makes sense. He's, he goes against somebody, you know, uh, whether you hated the Kali thing, which I was there at at 23, it was absolutely terrible. But he's never been that main WrestleMania headliner, and he's always been right. a guy that's just kind of floated around. So that, I think that's what they're going to do now, and I expect him. Um, I, I've been saying this for months. I think it's the perfect time for him to, to feud off against The Undertaker. What else do you have? I don't want to see Triple H Undertaker again for a third time either. at a WrestleMania, so why not I have agree. something like this? I totally agree with you on that. Hey, Josh, is it possible that The Rock comes out at the Royal Rumble and maybe costs Cena the match? I don't think so. I, I think Cena's going to lose it um, in a different way. I, I really doubt uh, The Rock coming back at the Royal Rumble. I actually think it's more realistic that he does something at Elimination Chamber um, than at the Royal Rumble. There's too much going on at the Rumble right now. There's a lot of storylines that have a lot of open-ended questions to it, uh, such as what's going to happen with Boronitis. If you bring The Rock back, he kind of overshines every other story that you've been building up for months, especially right. that the whole the whole Kane and Cena story. They've been putting that up for so long right now. It's only been, you know, six weeks or so, but it seems like so much more, you know, so yeah. much longer just because of how much time they put into it. I doubt that The Rock makes... 
I would absolutely be shocked if he came back at the Rumble. So, no, I'd count The Rock out for, for this Sunday in St. Louis. Okay. Will you touch upon Undertaker? Does he show up at the Royal Rumble this uh, Sunday? I would love to see The Undertaker show up at the Royal Rumble, but he's not a guy that – he came back at the Royal Rumble uh, five or six years ago and Mysterio won that Royal Rumble. He came back with the uh, Kurt Angle and Mark Henry uh, match to, the, to kind right. of end the Royal Rumble. Uh, but other than that, he's been a guy for the past, you know, he comes back at a random Unforgiven pay-per-view or 221. I feel like he's more of a guy that makes an appearance, you know, comes out at unexpected times, and I feel like the Royal Rumble match is, is more expected for guys to come out, especially if you're going to have Randy Orton return, which he, you know, is returning a SmackDown tonight. He might be in the Rumble. You have a couple of other guys, uh, you know, come in the Rumble match that you don't expect. I don't think he's going to because if he gets to the Rumble and loses, what's the point of him doing that? Unless, unless he's, Kane just completely goes crazy and the Undertaker comes out and, and eliminates him and stands face-to-face, that would be great. But then you'd have two, two and a half months to build Kane and Taker, which, not, you know, Taker's not on TV every week, you know, especially right. even, when, even when he's there full-time. Even when the whole Triple H angle happened last year, he wasn't on Raw every single week. So it's kind of right. tricky to book him. Well, you know, you're right, and, and the thing is, like, I, me personally, I, and jo- I think Joe and I might be the only wrestling fans, neither one of us is a huge fan of The Undertaker. I have never been a fan of the whole undefeated streak at WrestleMania. I understand that, you know, that's been his kind of legacy, but I really don't think that he needs it. I've never felt that he needs it. I think he's an all-time great on his own merits, aside from that. And the fact that Hulk Hogan has lost multiple WrestleManias and uh, Shawn Michaels and Stone Cold Steve Austin and The Rock and all these other guys... I don't know. It just kind of bugs me that Undertaker has it, but that's besides the point, you know. If uh, if Kane and Undertaker are going to go at it at, at WrestleMania for a third time, you mentioned Triple H. I don't want to see uh, Undertaker and Triple H wrestle ever again in any capacity. But the fact yeah. that Taker is so um, beaten down, you know, I'm just hoping that Kane and the Undertaker will get in the Royal Rumble and then go to hell. They can. Th- that's where they can go, as far as I'm concerned. Because I'm sick. I'm sick of, of those two and their whole thing. But at the same time, yeah. like you said, where, where, where do you go? I think the only guy that I, two guys and that's it that I would like to see at WrestleMania against the Undertaker, John Cena, because I think that would be great. Uh, and of sure. course, Taker has to win. But that would be great because he's the one guy you think legitimately might be able to beat Taker. Or somebody like a Chris Jericho, you know, they've never gone out of that WrestleMania. To me, there's not much else uh, you can do as far as that goes. But, you know, speaking of the whole mess with Kane, Zack Ryder. Now, I I need to get your take on this because I'm watching this and I'm not sure. Do you think Zack is in the doghouse with the WWE? Because this whole story, he's out of the Royal Rumble. He's not going to be there. He probably won't even be at Elimination Chamber. He may not even be back in time for WrestleMania. I'm guessing he probably will be. But he gets the U.S. title, short reign, ends up this whole thing with Kane. He's destroyed now. He's missing one of the biggest pay-per-views of the year where he would have got a nice pop at. I mean, what's the deal with Zach? Why did he have such a short title reign, and what's going on with his this whole story? I, I necessarily don't think that he's in the doghouse, per se, um, with creative writers. Uh, speaking with a couple of people, I think that they're actually doing this more as Zach Ryder becoming so popular where they want to toy his popularity off onto John Cena and this whole rise above hate thing, you know, embrace the hate, whatever you want to call it. It has more to do with John Cena than Zack Ryder. He's just a pawn in the game right now. And you can, you can see that each week. You can see Ryder, you know, Ryder being cost this, Ryder losing this, or he get, him getting hurt. Each week it's just them building up more and more 
for the character development of John Cena. Now, whether everybody wants him to turn heel, which I still don't think it's going to be a full-fledged heel turn, like everybody always wants, myself included, of course. I just think that Zack Ryder at this point right now, he's in a huge storyline, and I wrote about this uh, on one of my articles. I don't know where to go from here with him. When he comes back, he's not going to exact revenge on on Kane. He's not going to... Yeah. He's, what's he going to do? Is he going to come back and win the championship? I'd like to see that. I think that they realize that he's better. There's a few guys that are really good as champion, but even better as the chaser. And as soon as Ryder got that belt, didn't you kind of feel that the momentum kind of dropped a little bit for him after he won the title? Because he wasn't, he didn't have a main storyline. He was thrown into a storyline, and he was the third most important part of that storyline. Right. You know, that's a good point, and I kind of, I, I hadn't really seen it until you mentioned it, but the truth is that, I, I mean, he had a nothing title run. He had a six-week thing. It was kind of a mess. Mm-hmm. I guess my concern with him is that I like Zach. I don't think he's as amazing as everybody in the Internet world thinks he is. I think he's good. He's sure. entertaining. His show is hilarious. I absolutely love his show. His dad yeah. is great, you know. I, I was actually hoping last night that, like, the big O would come out and save him against Kane. <laughs> but, you know, the truth is that, Zach is, is with that gimmick, he'll never be a main event talent. But my concern is with this whole thing, and now at the height of his popularity, he's being taken out for six weeks, eight weeks. I mean, what's going to happen when he comes back? He's not injured in real life. So I kind of question the, the judgment on this. I think you could have had a nice Zack Ryder, Jack Swagger title match at the Rumble to build up to. Sure. Instead, Zach's gone for two months at least. Well, I think the biggest thing, and I completely agree based on, on every single point that you're making right there, um, but the biggest thing with Swagger, you said, you know, with the character that he has now, he's never going to be a world champion. I think people are so wound up in making every single person a world champion or every single person has to have the potential to become a world champion. Right. Look at some of the guys who were never world champions, some of the best, perfect. You know, D.B. Aussie, they were great guys in the 80s and 90s that carried the mid-card status for such a long time. I really don't think it's necessary for Zack Ryder to ever reach the main event level because he's so good at what he's doing right now. He's making second or third matches on a pay-per-view interesting. He opened TLC, right. and that was probably the most interesting match for many people. There's guys that don't necessarily ever need to be a main event type player. And I don't think Ryder will ever be that type of main eventer. I don't think he's ever going to be the guy that he's going to carry the strap for nine months and he's going to lead the brand, lead Raw or SmackDown. So, I, you know, there's some guys who will become world champions, some guys who are mid-carters for a while, like a Cody Rhodes. You can see he's a champion material. A Wade Barrett, you can see that guy's a champion material. But I, I, I wouldn't complain if Zack Ryder stayed where he was in the mid-card status, maybe you know, reach a little bit of the main, main event taste, but not necessarily the world championship. Yeah, you're right, and and the interest, you know, you mentioned Ted DiBiase. I honestly think Ted should have been world champ. I think he had that ability, and you're absolutely right that not everybody has to be in that main event. It's just that you kind of see Zach, and I look at him like he's, he he kind of hit his ceiling already. Where does he go from here? He got so popular over his internet show, and the WWE pushed him out, and then all of a sudden it's like, bam, that's it. Zach is is now he's out for two months and. You know, I hope that when he comes back, he can re- retain that momentum, and they didn't kill his momentum. Unless they're thinking he's so hot, which is kind of backwards thinking, but he's so hot, let's take him away to keep that going for a longer period of time as opposed to letting the star burn out right away and then Zack Ryder's done in, you know, three months. Well, I think the biggest thing that they have in plans for him, I really do think that he'll come back after the Elimination Chamber, and I expect Swagger to 
hold that world or the uh, United States Championship for a while. I think he's right. a really good guy to do that, especially since he didn't have much to do until you know he teamed up really with Ziggler and he was thrusted into that main event on Raw tag team match or whether it was on SmackDown. But he's a perfect fit for that title. And when Ryder comes back, I, I hope he comes back right around Elimination Chamber or shortly after, because I do think he will be, um, you know, he will be at WrestleMania, and I think that's going to be his moment where he's going to recapture the or the uh, United States Championship. And it's a perfect time for him to do that as well. It's kind of, you know, you saw him last year in Atlanta with the backstage promo. It's kind of coming full circle if he wins the title for a second time at WrestleMania. Right, you're right, Josh. I mean, and then we look at the bigger picture. I mean, the Royal Rumble is this Sunday, and we had, you know, we had the return of Chris Jericho. And let's face it, uh, I think the WWE sometimes handles returns badly, or they do storylines that are mismatched, or they drop storylines. But I think the way they brought Chris Jericho has been perfect. There's no way to bring him back if your intentions is to bring him back as a heel than the way they did it. I mean, he basically didn't talk for three straight weeks, and then he finally talked last night. And he says something about, like, the world's going to end on Sunday. So uh, what are your thoughts on Chris Jericho being back? You know, I, I love I, – I couldn't agree with you more. I love the fact that he didn't have to say anything. And it, it, yep. it really just – look at his character. He's a guy that has went back and forth through the Attitude Era, through the PG every, – every era that he's, that he's competed with, he's been a guy to adapt. He reminds me a lot of Edge because both of them could be faces in an instant, it could easily turn the entire crowd around in them just because of how their personality conflicts with everybody else's. So when Jericho came back, I was happy that he didn't have to say much for the first three weeks. I was, you know, after last week, I said, okay, he has to say something before the Royal Rumble. Something has to come out, even if it's, you know, exactly what he said. Something more has to happen each week in, in, in terms of story progression, especially with Jericho. And I think that was the perfect thing for him to do. So I've loved every part of Jericho coming back. I could be completely honest with you. I got annoyed the you know, the very first time I was, you know, marking out like, Oh, here comes Jericho, you know, I've loved his work <laughs> for years and and here's like, you know, I'm so excited. I'm sitting on my couch in my apartment, you know, excited, waiting for him to come out, wanting to hear him <laughs> say something. And then I sit here and I'm like what the hell's going on? He didn't say one thing. Sit back and think, like, literally literally five minutes later, that was the best way to bring him back because everybody right. knows that he wants that they want, him, they want him to come back as a heel because that was the best thing for him whenever he left. So it's kind of picking up now with, with the Jericho now coming in the Rumble and probably going to win it. Yeah, and that's what that's my next follow-up question is that you look through the, the people that are entered in the Royal Rumble, and I look at Chris Jericho as a definite chance of winning the Royal Rumble, or the only other person I could think of is possibly Sheamus. Is there any dark horse that you think could win it besides those two guys? Oh, man, that's tough. Um, I, th I think Sheamus, I love Sheamus. I think he's the guy that deserves it. Um, I, I think he's the total package. I, everybody does this case. I, I think he's so good in the ring. You know, his mic skills aren't 100%, but he's good enough to get the crowd behind him. To, you know, turn face at, at a perfect time for himself, especially with kind of Orton dragging out um, you know, his usual spiel. I, I, I've said it before, and I'll say it again. I would love to see Wade Barrett win the championship, uh, excuse me, win the Royal Rumble and go on to face uh, the world champion at WrestleMania. But who does he face? You, you know, I mean, you could say – Maybe Orton somehow wins the title before that. You know, we've had champions change the elimination oh, chamber. Um, I, I know, 
I know, but that, if you think about it, that's a realistic possibility if Barrett walks out because they're obviously not going to put Barrett versus Brian, especially with the way they're booking Brian. But right. I would, I'm, you know, I don't, I don't want to see Daniel Bryan in the main event at WrestleMania in a championship match. Nor do I want to see Mark Henry or The Big Show. You know, we've seen that already. We've seen these three guys in some form or another the past two or three months. So what do you do? One really crazy thought, and it's most likely not going to happen, but one way I could see it is I could see a Barrett-Orton uh, championship match at WrestleMania to kind of finalize their whole feud for the past, you know, what, three or four months. Because their feud was good, but it was never, like, it was never really the main feud, if you, if you know what I mean. Like, they had the they had the match, they had uh, Barrett attacking Orton, but it was never, like, the number one feud in WWE. So I feel like there's still a little bit left that they can that they can pull from that, especially if they don't have to face each other one-on-one for a while. If they go in the chamber match, one of them wins, or, you know, uh, whoever wins the Rumble gets a one-on-one match, and whether it's Orton or Barrett, um, they, you know, are the winners of the Royal Rumble, they face each other. That's a realistic possibility, but I do think Chico is, that's probably going to be my short bet, and he's probably not going to even need to do much, but he's going to come in he might get into a little action, just toss somebody, and that's it. And, and the reason I feel that is happening is because they are so unsure of what they want to do for the SmackDown Championship match. But if they give Jericho the win, they know Punk Jericho, what everybody's been saying that they've been talking about for the past six months. You're right. And that would be an amazing main event at WrestleMania from a work rate standpoint, from a promo standpoint. I mean, that would be sick. I'd love to see Jericho come out, as a matter of fact, as the 30th guy. And I, and I can tell you this, as a wrestling purist, I hate the fact that anybody has ever won at the number 30 spot. But I'd love to see Jericho come out, have the last two guys even eliminate themselves, yeah. and have Jericho just walk out and, and be the winner of the Royal Rumble. You know, that would be amazing to have that happen, or even have him just, you know, do his thing, and he, he's on the ropes, and the guys come, and he ducks, and then boom. You know, just basically have him do nothing and win the Rumble. That would be amazing to me, because then he can cut these great heel promos about defeating yeah. 29 other guys and throwing them over the top rope and how he is grueling and this and that, because, you know, Jericho is, is one of the best talkers around. But, oh, yeah. um, you know, l- l- let's touch on Punk for a second. You know, sure. let me ask you this, Josh. How, it, like I said, I'd love to see those two in the ring. And uh, side note, you mentioned Barrett and, and Bryan. I actually would have liked to have seen Wade Barrett and Daniel Bryan at WrestleMania against each other for the title, only if Bryan was a regular face, simply because they sure. had that great match at, at SummerSlam, which would have been a great way to kind of bookend, you know, two of the bigger events and just kind of go from August to, to March, uh, April, and kind of build that up. I thought that would have been great. But aside from that, Punk... Jericho, um, how is this going to be set up, and how is this whole mess with John Laurinaitis going to end? I mean, is, is Punk going to retain the title at uh, at the Royal Rumble? I, I think he will. Um, I actually, you know, to be completely honest with you, I would love to see a title switch at the Rumble because I think so many people are just banking on Punk Jericho feuding up until Mania. Right. Plus, Elimination Chambers in February. You have well over a month to build a feud with a champion, and you don't need two, three months to build you know, one feud. You can do it in somewhat of a shorter time. I think people will have this problem, and it happens a lot of the times where you see pay-per-views within every three weeks. You can't build a, a feud, whatever. That's true. But the time that they have between Chamber and WrestleMania is over a month. 
So they're not going to have three or four weeks to build. So if you see a title change, they could easily take the title right back off of Ziggler and Elimination Chamber. But at the same time, they can still tease the Jericho-Punk feud, and they can still build that up before Punk is champion again. So I do think CM Punk will keep the championship. I think that's the... I think they're more likely to to, to fax the two. Um, excuse me. They, they they're more likely to build on the logic, and it's a logical decision to have Punk retain somehow. And the next night, Laura and I get fired to begin with. Even even if he calls it right down the middle of the middle of the road, he still gets fired. Um, I love it. But I think Laura and I has something to do with Jericho, um, and I also think Punk will have his Mick Foley in his corner. So Foley becomes general manager of Raw. Laurinaitis is uh, obviously pissed off about that, and you kind of right. have Laurinaitis trying to cost Punk because we already they already teased that they already teased Punk and Foley. Oh, we're so much alike. We never towed the company line. We're never the main guy that they you know, but they look for to be a role model. So they've already uh, teased that. That's my logical sense. I think what can happen, and and quite frankly, I'm okay with that as long as Foley is not in a wrestling ring. Wrestling. Right. <laughs> yeah, I know you, you loathe. Uh... McFoley and uh, folks, we're we're joined here by Josh Eisenberg. This isn't TNA, you know. This isn't TNA. They did (laughs) they did the Booker T. I was cool with Booker T because he can still go. I didn't like Nash to begin with to come back. You know, Rumble was cool. He had his one pop. The the angle sucked. It was terrible. The Triple H match at TLC. Nobody's gonna remember in a year. It's just frustrating. They bring all these old guys back when there's so much young talent being wasted. Well, I, th- I already forgot the Nash Triple H uh, match that you're referring to, but, uh, you know, folks, we're here again joined by uh, Josh Heisenberg of, uh, of Chairshot Reality and WrestleZone.com. Josh, I got to tell you, Joe and I are not as high on Dolph Ziggler as everyone else. I think he's good. I think he's talented. Okay. I think that he will be a definite main eventer. Um, I'm not in love with him like everybody else seems to be, but, you know, like I you mentioned – yeah, exactly, and John and Justin and pretty much everybody else in the wrestling world. Now, you mentioned the possibility of him winning the title at, at the Rumble. Typically, titles don't switch at the World Rumble, but, uh, you know, realistically, is he going to win, or is it just, uh, you know, Josh, I'm in love with Dolph Ziggler Eisenberg saying, <laughs> I, you know, I want him to win? I think he's – I don't think he's going to win. I, I, my personal opinions aside, I don't think he will Um but that doesn't mean to say that they won't put the, uh, I If I had to pick, I, I'm in Vegas. I have a grand. What am I going to put it on? Easily going to put it on parts. I probably wouldn't think twice about it. But we've seen some things before that have happened that we thought, okay, this is a, a sure bet. This is exactly what's going to happen, and it doesn't happen. So right, and especially right. with guys, like Punk, or guys with uh, Ziggler, you can tell the creative writers are so invested in Ziggler just because of everything that he's done over the past three months. Everything that he's done he's been able to build on his character and just be completely different. Right. Yeah. I mean, Josh, typical, like, you know, wrestling logic will tell you that if the heel gets the upper hand of the face night uh, on week after week at the pay-per-view, you figure Punk's going to retain. Yeah, and that's exactly what they did. But I like the fact that they actually did that because that's the story. That's the match. You know, we know the storyline. But then we need to see the match, and that's the biggest part. We need to see the match, and him coming out at the end of the show was perfect because he's not going to win. But people right. thought, hmm, he had the one. He, he's won four times over the past month and a half. They really nailed that on Raw continuously, so they wanted us to believe it. But we all know that you know Punk's most likely going to win, and that's going to be the end of it. All right, I got two more yep. big topics, Josh, that I want to ask you. Um, okay. 
you know, with with John Laurinaitis, I mean, some storylines just get recycled, and you look at this storyline, and when I think of like John Laurinaitis against CM Punk, I think of a bigger and better feud with you know between Stone Cold and Vince McMahon. How do you think these sure. two have handled this storyline, and do you think John Laurinaitis has been effective on TV? Uh, he's becoming more effective on TV. Um, I think they've handled the storyline as well as they could with as little as they've got with John Laurinaitis. They wanted an, an authority figure. They wanted a guy like Vince, but he's obviously not like Vince McMahon. He doesn't have the charisma. He doesn't have the personality. But in the same facet, in the same breath, that's kind of what helped him. That's kind of what helped him gain his heat, is it not? The fact that people hate him so much because he has no personality, and because he is so cheesy <laughs> whenever he smiles and whenever he says things. So I think the biggest thing that you have to say is they take him what they've gotten with him, and they've really worn it to more than I ever thought they could get out of him. They've milked it so hard where, you know, the Nick Foley thing I thought was a big point in his character building. I thought he really transitioned into just not a regular average guy in a suit, but something somebody different. Um, and he got a few as a punk. I mean, he's doing all that he can to make more uh, somewhat interesting. This isn't my favorite storyline. I'm never going to compare it to Vince Stone Cold because, quite frankly, nothing I think boss employee could ever compare to that. It's a very poor man's version. Not saying that it's terrible, but it's just never going to be up to the level of Vincent Stone Cold. Never. Right. Now, do we think we, we're going to ever find out, just real quick, do you think we're going to find out? Yep. Then i got one last question. Do you think we're going to ever find sure. out who he's been texting? I don't know. I mean, I think, that thing, I think that's just so subtle. I think more now it's just more of what he does. It's kind of like a tongue of drinking coffee each week. Like, oh, that, that, that annoys the crap there, out of me. <laughs> is there even a point for that? You know what I mean? Like, what's the point? I hate is there that. Even a point for that? I think, right. it's just, I think it's just something for him to do to look busy, to be completely right. honest with you. I, I thought it was the guy returning. I thought it was against Jericho, but he's still been texting since Jericho's been back. So that's the if, if it's ever going to be I think it's like they're anonymous rock general manager they didn't have anything really to finish with it so they just kind of threw something in there with no ending. Right. Oh, and finally, yeah. Josh. Um, go ahead. Sorry. Yep. No, I was going to say that whole drinking coffee thing. I wish somebody would just come and spill the coffee, the real coffee, right in his face because I can't stand the Tonga. I think he's got no talent. He's a he's a complete and utter tool. He's got nothing. He's a clown. He's a bum. Somebody fire him. Let him go. Accompany Jennifer Hudson on stage or do whatever it is he does, but that guy is the worst. Go, sir. Okay. He's bad, Josh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Josh, we definitely need you, we definitely need you on again on the road to WrestleMania. But let me ask you oh. this question to end the show for tonight. Uh, me and Dave were really surprised a couple weeks ago that the WWE started announcing Hall of Fame inductees for this year, and then we were even more surprised to have somebody like Edge get inducted so soon when this gentleman right here should have been probably inducted first. What do you think of this gentleman? Ooh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that guy right there, the macho yep. man, if yep. he was around, he'd have a lot to say about the having Edge man. be inducted before him. What do you think? Um, you know, I think people are I think people are taking the Hall of Fame uh, a little too seriously, um, you know, with who gets inducted when, who gets inducted this time. I mean, a few years ago, your main headliner was, what, Ted DiBiase? And, you know, you have Bret Hart, a big guy. Then you never had the Ultimate Warrior. You never had a Don't bunch of these Coco guys who deserve it. Coco, yeah, come on. That's absolutely oh, my God. I mean, come on, man. The list goes on and on. It's more of what Vince wants to capitalize on at that given time. 
and that's the biggest thing. Is it's what he wants to capitalize on, and quite frankly, it's too early for Edge to get in there. But I think it's uh, it, it, he deserves it. You know, he's done everything there is to do in the company. I think he definitely deserves it. You know, I've always been a huge fan of his work. Um, but I do think Macho Man deserves to be the headliner. I necessarily don't think Edge, he, Edge might not be the the headliner of, of, of the Hall of Fame induction ceremony. There could be one or two more guys um, that are inducted. People think The Rock's going to be inducted into the Hall of Fame this year because it's in Miami, which I still think is bogus because if they were going to do that, they'd wait until Toronto to induct Edge. Like, the hometown thing is right. so – just doesn't really – add up to, with me. You know, they never really focused around a hometown besides 25 in Stone Cold, right? And it was in Houston. It wasn't even in Austin. It wasn't even in San Antonio. So I think the whole hometown kind of inducting in their hometown is completely overrated, and it's just something for people to say, to, to, to get the rumors going. But quite frankly, Macho Man deserves to be, and he should be the headliner this year. I'd have him, Edge, Horseman. I mean, that's a stacked lineup. And that's not one guy overshadowing the other. It's just a stacked Hall of Fame not like a Coco Beware and, and Ted DiBiase Hall of Fame. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, I mean, you, please, Josh, don't don't make me super kicky. Don't, don't lump in Ted DiBiase and Coco Beware because that is a travesty of justice. <laughs> the fact that and uh-huh. this, I know this upsets Joe, and Joe's like got rabies right now. He goes nuts <laughs> over the whole Coco Beware thing because the truth is that, you know, and, and yourself included, we're all legitimate sports fans, and we know wrestling is not real, but it's hard to separate the idea Hall of Fame in baseball, you, you know, you got to wait five years, you got to do this, you got to do that, and it, it's such a gr- honor. But in wrestling, it's like, oh, Vince woke up, he farted, and it's like, oh, well, this smells like uh, Coco Beware, so I'm going to put, it reminds me of Coco, so I'm going to put him in the in the Hall of Fame this year. And I wish that they would make it legit. I wish that they would let other people vote, and I know that wrestling is not real and all this other nonsense, but I guess it just, you know, it just drives, it drives me a, a little bit nuts, but at the end of the day, uh, you are right. It is whatever Vince thinks, so it's kind of like, why get so worked up over it? But it's the same thing with like the title belt, with the whole spinner. We just go nuts over these things that, at the end of the day, don't really amount to much, but that's what makes us wrestling fans, you know? Yeah, that's what makes us wrestling fans. I think the fact that sometimes we forget that it's not real, and we forget that storylines and things that are happening, and Hall of Fame, especially the Hall of Fame induction ceremony, we we all know it's a WWE Hall of Fame. It's not the Pro Wrestling Hall of Fame. It's not, you know, Amateur Wrestlers of America votes the Pro Wrestling Hall of Fame. It's nothing like that. It's basically WWE Hall of Fame, a.k.a. Vince McMahon's favorites. And that's who he's going to put in. <laughs> he's not going to care about anybody else. So it's going to be a good rumble, guys. I'm really looking forward, you know, to speaking with you guys down the road again at WrestleMania. Let me know anytime you want me on. I'm more than happy to. Definitely, sir. And hopefully we'll be able to have you on, like like you said, for WrestleMania because that is the, yep. the next Huge event we've got coming on. Josh, thank you so much. Uh, appreciate it. And, of course, we will have you on. And, listen, do me a favor. Tell your boy, uh, Justin, get rid of those horrible shirts of his. Get some real shirts. Get something that looks nice. Because when I saw that, I, I, I actually uh, tweeted him. I'm like, dude, please, l- let me help you. L- let me fix the shirts. I mean, it looks like uh, it looks like my, my three-month-old daughter just you know decided, hey, let me just put this <laughs> This long drivel and just put on his shirt. I mean, it's terrible. It's terrible. The guy is the commissioner of a very terrible wrestling organization right now that has like four <laughs> people total and thinks he can put on a T-shirt. But you know what? I'm going to keep my words to myself. We always obviously know how I feel about that. So uh, I'm going to take the high road here, and uh, I will talk to you guys very soon. Thanks so much, guys. All right, okay. guys. Take care. Take care. Folks, that was the one and only Josh Eisenberg. And, sir, he agrees with me. Labar's shirt makes me want to labarf.
And, uh, you know, we love Chair Shot Reality on this show. We love uh, having the guys on. But, man, what a, what a scum fest that, that whole thing is. But, sir, as we close out this show, great show, amazing show, wonderful show that went over over the time limit, as it were. Um, I got to say, this, this was PG at its finest, sir. It sure was. And as we get closer to the Super Bowl, let's just not forget, we have a remote coming up on February 4th from Whole Foods Market in Union, New Jersey. Should be a good time. Oh, sir, that is going to be an amazing, an amazing show. I cannot wait. We're going to have a pure gold booth. you got to come check us out. It's going to be live, in person, absolutely amazing. The first remote of many that, we have, uh, that we'd love to do. I mean, sir, that's going to be a huge show. We're actually going to have some business cards out to give to the fans so they can follow us here on uh, on the Tuesday night on uh, Blog Talk Radio. And, sir, I mean, I'm I'm pumped. That's all I can say about that. That is going to be an amazing show. You're right. And uh, we have one more show before that, but I just had to plug that remote as we're getting closer to the date. So I know we have one more show coming up next Tuesday to close out January. Of course. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll definitely work on that. It's going to be amazing, folks. We thank you so much for tuning Oh, you know what? i got to touch on, we got to touch on one last thing before we close out, sir, make it uh, even 90 minutes. Um, there, you know, we had the sad passing of Joe Paterno, and obviously we have – Mixed emotions on that with this whole Sandusky mess. But, sir, let, let, let's touch on that real quick, uh, if we can. Go ahead. I mean, when I heard the news on Saturday night, I mean, I was reading Twitter, and I had read that he had passed away, and I was like, wow, that that was really fast. Um, he didn't pass that night. I think he passed Sunday morning. But either way, you know, a legend in Joe Paterno, in terms of football legend, passed away. And, I, you know, you want, you start to wonder – if all of the scandals, all of him being, you know, fired, released from his job after being uh, basically the head of Penn State for 61 years, you wonder if all this stuff took its toll on him, sir, and he his life ended quicker than expected because, um, you know, as far as I know, if this scandal didn't come out, Joe Paterno was going to coach next year again. So I, I'm just shocked. I'm saddened. I mean, we're never going to know exactly what Sandusky and Paterno talked about now that Joe's gone. But it, it's it's a, just a sad day all around. I mean, I don't know what to say to close out the show other than that Joe Paterno's legacy has been tainted, but the man is now gone, and will you know part of us will miss us miss him for being such a you know a staple in the Penn State University, but some of us will also remember him as a person that just didn't do enough. Yeah, you know, you, you pretty much summed it up as best as can be. I think that it's easy for anyone to say he should have done more, he could have done more. Should he should he have done more? Yeah, but everybody was about protecting the Penn State brand, unfortunately. Everybody was about protecting the uh, the school as opposed to taking care of the kids. And, I mean, we may never know the true extent to what the monstrous things that Jerry Sandusky did and what Joe Paterno did or did not do. I mean, you know, he did talk to the, the – the assistant dean who was the head of the chief of police, and, you know, obviously you could have gone to a, a state level, you could have gone to the federal level, but everybody seemed more concerned with taking care of Penn State than anything else, and that's unfortunate. But, you know, the truth is that we'll never know. Uh, Mike Francesa touched on this, and I know you have one more point about Mike um, and the Super Bowl contest, but Mike touched on the fact that we'll never truly know, you'll never really get to the bottom of what happened because anything Sandusky says now or comes out with, there's Joe, Joe Paterno can't deny, you know, assert it, affirm it, negate it. There's just nothing there, and it's unfortunate, but a lot of things may have just died with Joe Paterno, and it, it's it's just sad that this man who had such an amazing legacy and had such an amazing run, uh, you know, it, this is the way that it's going to be remembered, and this is the way that it's going to end. But, you know, like I said, anybody can say he should have done more, 
you know, we can always do more in life. And, uh, you know, again, we just pray for the victims and hope that everything turns out well for them, sir. But, uh, you know, segueing from that, you wanted to touch on something with the uh, Super Bowl contest over uh, Mike's on. So, sir, take that away, please. I want to hear another classic JB rant. Two in one you know, show. Give it up. Well, the one thing, the one thing I must mention is that whenever the Super Bowl is set, the you know Mike and the Mad Dog used to do a great show, and I used to love when Chris Russo, the Mad Dog, would dress up as the Marquee and he ask his question. Because, serious, by the way. Oh, does he? Good, but yeah. I, I just miss it when it was Mike and the Mad Dog because you know Fr- Francesca was always the serious one, and Russo would dress up in this like French outfit with like you know this wig, and it was just great. But the Out fact is that yeah, the fact is now that Francesca. And it's always been this way, but, you know, you had, you had this. Joe in Wallington. What's up, Joe? Yeah, you, you get one of those callers, and you call in, and you have to answer four questions. But the thing about it is that... Wait a second. What is the point? The point, Mike, is that you, you're not fair to every caller. You're, you're not giving every caller the same amount of time. So, just Mike, just think about this. This is a trip to the Super Bowl, and you're asking questions like, oh, what was the score of Super Bowl 42? 17-14. Okay, you ask the next question, and you get that right. But then you get the third question wrong, and then all of a sudden you ask that same first question to the next caller. It doesn't make any sense to me, Mike. And the fact that you have an arbitrary time frame to answer a question for one caller versus another caller makes no sense either. I, just, I heard today, sir, one caller get literally two and a half minutes to answer a question, as, of course, Mike says he's looking up the answer. Um, and then you have some callers that he only gives, like, literally, like, 15 seconds. There's no consistency, and this is an all-expense-paid trip to the Super Bowl, if, especially if you're a Giant fan and you only get that 15 seconds. That's so not fair of you, Mike. I, I, I mean, I love listening to Mike, but when it comes to this contest, he – the power goes to his head, and you know he just doesn't think clearly that yeah. he's giving somebody only a certain amount of time and then somebody else a longer amount of time. Mike, you you're cannot. The, no! uh, you know, it, it makes me mad. <laughs> Sir, you're right, and unfortunately we're going to have to end it there because our producer's telling us we got about 40 seconds left. Uh, we're right. going to touch on this again. I totally agree with you. Mike gave some woman 30, uh, 10 seconds, and gave another dude three minutes, but. Folks, check us out on our next show. Check out all of our shows, puregoldpg.com. Make sure to tune in every Tuesday, normally at 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. For JB, this is DG of Pure Gold reminding you to always keep it PG. And thanks to our guests, who were, as always, wonderful. What's the name of your show? Uh, Pure Gold. Pure Gold? Yes, sir. I got two words for you. Pure (laughs) Gold. Good night, everyone. Good night.